Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And this week I thought I would talk a little bit about the war between Roku and YouTube TV. There's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack here, but at the end of the day, it's two big companies fighting over your money. Let's get to it. Now, in case you haven't heard what's going on here, Roku has pulled the YouTube TV app off of their platform completely. Now, this is not what you're watching YouTube on right now. This is their cable TV service that they charge you 65 bucks a month for. That's what's been pulled. However, if they don't work this out, I fear that the YouTube app might get swallowed up in this dispute down the road as well, because I think that's really where they're having some issues. Now, let's dive into both companies' claims here and what they're saying and what they want you to do on their behalf. And we'll begin with Roku here. Now, believe it or not, Roku is the market leader when it comes to streaming devices. They're in TVs. They've got a lot of those little set-top players. They've been in the marketplace for well over a decade, and they've got about half the market share, depending on how you measure it. And that surprises a lot of people, but they've been a very quiet and focused company making very simple media players, and they're beating everybody, including Apple, Google, and maybe even Amazon to a degree when it comes to getting boxes into people's houses. And Roku, to some degree here, even though they're not as big as Google, Apple, or Amazon, they're kind of in the driver's seat because they have such a big share of the market. And ultimately, that's what this dispute is all about. Now, as usual, when these contract disputes erupt, the companies often try to enlist we, the customers, as their foot soldiers in the hope that we can put pressure on one of the two parties to get them to bend to the other's will. And Roku started that off with this email that went out accusing Google and YouTube of engaging in predatory and anti-competitive behavior that they said would harm their users. Uh, they also sent out some statements to the press when they finally did pull the app, again, raising these antitrust issues. And of course, this is big news right now because Congress is investigating Google uh, for these types of practices that they're accusing them of. Now, YouTube responded and actually offered more detail as to what was going on behind the scenes here. Uh, YouTube said that they were offering to renew YouTube TV with the very same terms that they were running under currently with Roku. Really no change here, at least according to YouTube, uh, in the deal. But they say that Roku chose this as an opportunity to renegotiate a separate deal that would encompass the main app, which is the one you're watching right now, uh, which was due to expire in December. So they say they were pushing up the timeline of renegotiating the other YouTube app and kind of using this as an opportunity to get that discussion rolling. Now, this is where we start to get a little bit more detail because YouTube here says our agreements with partners have technical requirements to ensure a high quality experience on YouTube. Uh, Roku requested exceptions that would break the YouTube experience and limit our ability to update YouTube in order to fix issues or add new features. For example, this is the big one here, uh, by not supporting open source video codecs, you wouldn't be able to watch YouTube in 4K, HDR, or 8K, even if you bought a Roku device that supports that resolution. Now, YouTube also denies that they were trying to gain access to Roku user data. 
They also deny that they were trying to mess around with search results. There's apparently some allegation that YouTube did not want a user to leave the Roku app when making a Roku search when that app was loaded. They're denying it, but there's really no way to know exactly what they were asking for here because neither company is giving us a lot of detail. But I think this first bullet from YouTube is really the one to look at here, which is about 4K and 8K content and codecs. And there's a great article on protocol that kind of breaks all of this down that you can find on screen here. And I definitely would suggest uh, checking this out because I think this is going to extend far beyond just YouTube here. It's going to go to some of these other streaming providers too. And the reason is, is that the AV1 codec is open source. It is being put together by a number of these streaming companies, including Apple and Google and Amazon, in an effort to gain control over the codecs that they use to deliver video to customers. And going back to some of our net neutrality discussions, if you can go with AV1, you can reduce the amount of bandwidth that your videos take to be delivered, which brings your cost of distribution down significantly. And the other benefit for these streaming providers is that AV1 has no royalties associated with it. So they don't have to pay a licensing fee to use it. So they can save a ton of money here. But, and there's always a but, uh, AV1 is more computationally expensive than HEVC, which is what people are using right now for the most part to deliver 4K content. And the result of that is more expensive players because you've got to get chips inside that can decode AV1 in hardware, and those chips cost more money, and that puts the burden of cost on the people making the players, which is what Roku is, and I think that's kind of the root of the issue here. And there's a lot more on AV1 and what it means for all of these providers that you can find here on the broadcast software infrastructure site. It was kind of an interesting article, uh, so definitely check it out. And they also compare uh, some of the technical differences of HEVC versus AV1. But bottom line here, uh, the streamers really benefit from this because it dramatically brings down their distribution costs. And again, that cost is shifted over to people like Roku or companies like Roku. And if you look at the lowest priced Roku box right now, you can get in the door for 25 bucks and have a decent little HD streaming box you can hook up to your old television and you're off and running with it. For a few dollars more, you can get the 4K version of it and have that. I think Roku still makes, and if they don't make it right now, they have one that's recently uh, manufactured that allows you to hook up a Roku to an old CRT television and watch it in standard definition. So they've got such reach here but you can't make a box this inexpensive that supports AV1. And part of what is driving this is where Roku's revenue comes from because Roku is really not about making money off their hardware anymore. They're really about making money off their platform. Uh, check out this link that I've got on screen here. This is the February 2021 letter to shareholders where Roku talks about their business model and where they're making their money. And if you look at their fourth quarter profits from 2020, uh, they made far more money on their platform versus the players. And I would expect that the net profit on the player business is probably closer to zero, if not less than zero, after some of the expenses are considered for what those players cost to manufacture. And if you look at their business model here from that document, they say that they seek to grow the scale of their user base, increase engagement by their users, 
and monetize the activity that the users take on their platform, which they can then reinvest to make the platform better. And that monetization on Roku comes in a lot of different ways. Uh, one is through content promotion. They give an example of this from the Peacock streaming service where they've got the office advertising front and center within the user interface. Uh, they also talk about how they're now bringing in more machine learning into the mix to make these ads more customized for individual customers like other companies do. Uh, they also talk about some of their own streaming efforts, the Roku channel being one of them. And the Roku channel is something you can watch on a Roku device, but also on other devices, even your web browser. And it works like a lot of other free content providers work in that you load it up, you click play, you see a couple of ads, and you can watch the content for free. They've got a good library up there. They recently licensed the Quibi library, which was that failed service that was going to provide premium streaming shows in very bite-sized pieces. So they have bought all of that content, or at least the rights to it, for $100 million or something. And that's going to start popping up on the Roku channel exclusively. So there's a lot of stuff that they're working on to build up the value of that platform from a number of different areas. And what they have been doing is trying to drive up the amount of revenue that they earn from every owner of a Roku. And what they say here in their February report is that at the end of 2020, they were earning $28.76 per user, and they've got like 50 million active users. So you can do the math and figure out just how valuable the Roku platform is. And I think the value of that platform comes from the extensive library that you have of streaming services that you can stream on the box, but also the cost of entry for the box itself. So you can see what's at stake here for Roku and why they're probably digging their heels in. And they're stuck in a really tight spot here because if the cost of their players gets driven up because they have to provide AV1 hardware, that's going to reduce the number of new users that come onto the Roku platform. And I would expect that a lot of people who buy Rokus are looking for a cheap way to supplement all of the features that are dying on older smart TVs that still provide an image, right? So when those apps stop working on that TV you bought for 200 bucks 10 years ago, you buy the $25 Roku and get your current apps on the television. And that's really, I think, why a lot of folks buy Rokus. And for Roku, that's great because that brings more users in that they can make 28 bucks a shot on. Uh, but if the cost of those players goes up, less users. Now, on the other side, if YouTube says to Roku, hey, if you don't put that expensive chip on your box, we're out, that diminishes the value proposition of Roku because now there are less of the streaming apps that people want to watch on their hardware. And don't forget, YouTube, Amazon, and Apple have streaming services, and they also manufacture players. And they could together collude to take a larger hit on their hardware knowing that they're going to make it back up with subscription revenue. And those big companies have the ability to absorb that cost better than Roku can. And I think that's where Roku is coming from when they are making accusations of anti-competitive behavior. So this will be interesting to see how it plays out. I suspect that they're probably taking this action now to try to draw the line in the sand and hope that uh, more cooler heads will prevail or perhaps Congress will come to their aid as the little player in the pack here that's getting forced out. And their market position is still large enough that they do have some leverage here. So we'll have to keep an eye on this, but I don't expect this to be resolved anytime soon. And if things keep going the way they're going, I have a feeling we're all going to be getting a separate player for every one of the services that we want to watch. Welcome to the future. It's great, isn't it? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now, this week's wrap-up is being brought to you by all of you, and I want to thank some super chatters who contributed during one of my live streams last week. Neo Smith, Sultan, Cajoling Technologies, and Chanflay98 all made those contributions, so thank you very much to all of you. I also want to thank some new supporters this week, including Hot Sauce and Video Games, who became a gold-level supporter. We also have a nice contribution from Charles Sharwinga via my donor box page, and then we got a bunch of new members on the YouTube membership program, including GG Link, Claudine Coco Clayman Cook, Shikate Media, and Bill Arndt. I want to thank everyone for their contributions this week and everyone who contributes on an ongoing basis and all of you who watch on a regular basis too because all of those things equal channel growth. And I do hope to update the end credits sometime later this week, so stay tuned. We'll have an updated end credit roll very shortly. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution. We support my donor box page, which is the best way to go about it. But if you prefer convenience, we've got the YouTube membership program with that join button right down below. We also support Floatplane and Patreon. So wherever you want to be, I'm happy to be there for you. And we also have a bunch of channels you can follow me on beyond this one, including my podcast, which is an audio version of this show, and some interviews and some other things that I hope to do as the year progresses here. And we also have my Amazon page at lon.tv slash Amazon shop, where you can click follow and get live streams and other video content delivered to you right on Amazon. You can engage with the channel a bunch of different ways, including my Facebook group, which is always growing and a great place to link up with me and other fans of the show. And then we've got my store where I sell previously used items at prices lower than new because these were the items that I reviewed here on the channel. And there's only one of everything because you're buying the actual uh, review unit that appeared on TV here, on YouTube at least. And if you want to get a notification every time I update that store, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert to get an email whenever things get updated over there. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I hope you all are enjoying the spring weather here in my hemisphere. It's been a wonderful couple of days. Thank you all for your continued support and comments and encouragements and all the other great things that you do to keep this channel going. And I'll see you very soon with some more reviews of tech. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Mark Bollinger, Sergio Morales, Mark Dell, Jim Callagher, and Stephen Sue. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more.
And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv s.